Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Big stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. So Bill 32, the Alberta government says, is restoring balance to Alberta's labor laws. Labor Minister Jason Copping says it's necessary because the playing field was tilted too far in favor of unions under the previous government. Now, this bill addresses a lot. Uh, it, It addresses pickets, for example. Pickets would not be allowed to interfere with anyone coming or going across a picket line. Secondary pickets that would be set up at other locations other than the direct employer. That would need to be approved by the Labor Relations Board. Uh, It also makes changes to the political activities of unions. It says that the government is increasing employee choice by ensuring union members are not forced to fund political activities and causes without explicit opt-in approval. It also prevents unions from disciplining members if they take a significantly different job with a different employer. So some of the highlights, but there's a lot in Bill 32. And surely the government must know There's going to be a considerable pushback from organized labor, but I wanted to find out what the concerns are here about some of these changes, and I'm sure the concerns are are many, Uh, but joining us this afternoon uh, for his reaction is Gil McGowan, president of the Alberta Federation of Labor. Gil, thanks for making some time for us here today. Welcome to the program. Uh, Well, good afternoon, Rob. So I'm not sure where to start. Uh, As I say, I'm sure your your concerns are many, but what what stands out to you as um, maybe some of the areas that, that concern you the most here? Well, as I said in my press conference yesterday afternoon, um, yesterday was a dark day in Alberta history. Um, Bill 32 represents a fundamental attack not only on workers' rights, but on democracy itself. Um, You know, it it was presented under what I would describe as the Orwellian title of Restoring Balance in Alberta's Workplaces. Uh, That's the name of the act. But... Um, this is the opposite of restoring balance. Um, you know, this is not about balance. It's not about workers' rights. It's about uh, tipping the scales of power um, in in favor of the UCP and their corporate donors and their um, and their uh, corporate friends. Um, you know, they <laughs> there's there's a lot of spin coming from the minister and from the the premier. Um, But I think most Albertans know in their heart of hearts that um, if there are any organizations or groups that have more power in society, it's not working people and it's not unions. Um, You know, big corporations uh, are the ones that have the resources and the connections and the influence uh, to get what they want done. And we've seen it with this government, Um, you know, uh, the their agenda looks like uh, agenda of priorities from uh, the corporate sector, you know, uh, corporate tax cuts, uh, deregulation, privatization. That's what we're getting from this government. So for, for Jason Kenney to, or, or his minister, Jason Copping, um, to, you know, to say that, um, that, that 
society is somehow unbalanced while we see this very corporate friendly agenda being pursued i mean it's ridiculous i mean I, like i don't know how anyone can say with a straight face um that uh it's unions in alberta who have more too much power um and you know and for us you know you know there's a there's a profound double standard uh, that's embedded in this legislation. And they, they basically, uh, you know, through this bill, they're introducing all sorts of rules and restrictions um, on on unions in terms of what they can do on the political stage. Um, but these rules only apply to unions. They are okay. not. Well, so, yeah, and I want to focus on make, that because no, yeah. but I mean, it's kind of an abstract point you're making about who has the power, and I don't know how you quantify that on either side. I think what's important right. here are the specifics. You say this erodes yeah. workers' rights, for example. How does this erode workers' rights? Yeah, well, well, let's talk about the specifics, um, and we'll yes. start with def- definitions. Basically, what the the bill does when it comes to uh, unions and the work that they do on the broader public stage is they they divide all union activities under the act into two categories uh one we could call uh core functions or representative representative functions things that um you know are the bread and butter of unions uh like uh negotiating contracts administering those contracts mm-hmm. um and and it's not clear that they in, in the legislation, it, it might also include organizing new bargaining units, but it's not clear. But basically, other than those three things, uh, everything else is uh, is categorized as uh, political action for the purpose of the act. And I, I just want you to put like, everything else. So, uh, you know, our spending in support of charities is in the second bucket, the political action bucket. Um, our lobbying efforts... Uh, on issues that are clearly related uh, to the interests of working people, the people we represent, they're considered political action. They, they use that phrase political action in the act and in their rhetoric uh, because they understand that most people don't like politics, they don't like politicians, and I get that. Um, so they're, they're trying to leave this bad taste in people's mouths. But what they're really doing is saying that everything that we do to advocate for our members outside of the workplace uh, is is some is some somehow nefarious political action, and they they try to make it sound like we're doing it to support a partisan uh, a partisan end. But I just want you you know like if, if they did this to corporations, can you imagine them saying that for corporations? Corporations would have to go back to each individual shareholder for approval uh, before they could lobby a government on an issue that was important to that corporation. But that's what they're doing to us, right? So, so if I want, as, as president of the Federation of Labor, I, you know, I represent 29 unions in the public and private sector, uh, and if I want uh, to run a campaign uh, to uh, improve employment standards protection, if I want to run a campaign uh, on the minimum wage or occupational health and safety, that will be defined as political action for the purpose of this legislation. And I will be forced to go back uh, to our members every time we run a campaign. Um, imagine if they did that to the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers and said, you have to go back not only to your member corporations, but the shareholders for each of those corporations before you can run a campaign uh, on, on oil issues. Or they did that to the, the the chemical association or the forestry association, but that's that's the point here, Rob. Like they are asking us to jump through hoops. They're tying us up in in knots with red tape, uh, and and they're not asking corporations to do the same. So to, to say that 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 this is establishing balance is perverse. It's the opposite of that. 
So explain how this works then, you know, this this opt-in provision that employees would would have to give opt-in permission when when they are paying union dues or the union has to go back to the members and get 100% support before launching some kind of campaign? Or how, how is this going to work in practice? Well, that's a big question. We're not sure how it's going to work in practice because it's never been done before in Canada. This is unprecedented. It flies in the face of uh, Canadian law to Canadian traditions, Canadian norms. Um, this is, if anything, this is a, an import from uh, Republican American states uh, where they've introduced um, what right-wingers down there call right-to-work legislation. It has nothing to do with rights. It has nothing to do with work. Um, but th- these are laws that are designed to starve unions of the resources they need to be effective uh, on behalf of their members. And and so there's like 22 American states have some version of these laws, and they basically make dues optional. Um, and, um, you know, and, and when you present it to individual workers, um, you know, this, you know, like, and, and imagine if you did this with taxes, if you made your taxes optional, right? Say, um, you know, uh, how many people would pay their taxes if they were optional? Some would because they understand that without taxes, you can't have good public services, but there would be a very large proportion who don't. And that's what you see in American states that have right to work laws that make dues optional. You got a bunch, you know, like 60, 70% of the members understand that they, they need to, to fund the unions, but the unions will, in order for them to be effective, but the other 30% um, either um, just want a free ride uh, or there's a smaller percentage, you know, maybe 10% that don't actually like the unions. Or there's another group that just doesn't even think about it and they don't think to opt in. The result is, either way, that um, the unions don't get the you know resources from 100% of their members and so maybe maybe it's 60% maybe it's 70% but that means that they have less to spend and that that's really the goal here let, let, i mean like jason kenny can say it's about balance he can say that he's protecting um uh, the rights of individual workers which frankly is absurd i don't know why anyone would believe that but this is about uh doing what they did in the states um and uh introducing these laws to uh you know basically starve unions and make them less effective in the job that they need to do of standing up to employers and standing up to governments and and in the current context i think that's the important thing is standing up to governments right jason kenney you know, he won the last election fair and square, um, but he has become a very unpopular premier. He's the only premier in the country uh, who uh, whose uh, uh, approval ratings have gone down during the pandemic. Um, he's got an agenda that's deeply unpopular. Um, you know, just two days ago, three days ago, he introduced Bill 30, which would open the door to privatization in healthcare, which is deeply unpopular. He's making deep cuts to, to universities and colleges. He's laying off uh, educational assistance. These are all unpopular things. And, uh, you know, who, who, who stands up and pushes back against that stuff? It's us in the labor movement on behalf of our members um, who have prioritized the defense of public services. Um, we fight back. And so what he's trying to do is shut us up. It's okay, but it's uh, to be clear, and, and you were, okay, but this isn't this isn't right to work legislation. You, you reference right the right to work, to work it, legislation it is, that exists, def- and this yeah, it is, you, it is, yeah. Like from my perspective, Rob, it, it is clearly okay. But right to work legislation, so people are clear. If so, if I work in in a, a shop that's that's a union shop, I can yeah. say, yeah, I don't want to belong to the union. I'm still going to work here. Right. But that's that's not what this does. Yes, it does. It's a, it's for in what the portion. Basically, it's it says for the portion of. 
the union budgets that go to pay for things that are deemed political for the purpose of the legislation. And I go back to the point where I said that they deemed almost everything political, uh, that you can opt out of that. And, uh, and so, so it is right to work. It's not, it's not full right to work, but it's right to work for a big chunk of the work that we do. So to say that it's not right to work would be inaccurate. I would also point out that in Amer- many American states where they have right to work, they took this two-step process where they started with deeming certain activities of the unions to be political, to leave a bad taste in people's mouth. Uh, and then once they got people softened up and used to the idea of, uh, of optional union dues, they extended it to all union dues. And I think that's what's going on here. This is a, this is a, a noxious American import, um, you know, uh, that has been implemented in 22 American states. And these are the poorest, most backwater states in the United States, like Mississippi, Alabama. These are hardly the, you know, uh, the, the, the kind of places that we want to emulate. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, you know, it, it has, it has crushed the American labor movement. And in the process, it has weakened the bargaining power of uh, American workers, which has led to rising inequality. Um, and uh, it's basically put the American middle class in life support. And so my question is, why on earth uh, would we want to import uh, so, this kind look, of, we, I mean, kind th- of This is a majority government, so I mean, in all likelihood, this bill will pass if, if yeah. they're, they're intent on that. So are, yeah. are we talking court challenges? Are we talking yeah. strikes? Or, or how do you plan to push back? Well, uh, I, I literally just got out of a meeting um, with all of our presidents. We were on the phone for about four hours. Um, because of, because of the pandemic, we can't meet in person, so we were having a video conference. I think a lot of people are getting used to that, um, and we were having this discussion: what do we do? Um, and uh, and I can say unequivocally that there will be um, uh, a legal challenge to this legislation. Um, it's it's clear to us that it's unconstitutional um, in many ways. It uh, it 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 uh, it. You know, it, it undermines uh, charter protected rights like the freedom of association, the freedom of expression, um, and uh, you know, and you know, the, the Canadian Supreme Court has ruled on these issues, and and Jason Kenney and his caucus know this. They're 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 you know thumbing their nose at Canadian jurisprudence. They're thumbing their nose at Canadian best practices, and they're basically trying to transform labor relations here in Alberta in the image of, you know, a backwater um, American South Republican state that, you know, so that's my question for Albertans. Do you want to be Alabama? Do you want to be Mississippi? Um, You know, it's not good for working people, but I would point out it's not good for uh, business people or the economy. Those, you know, when you, like, if if the COVID crisis has shown us anything is that, um, that, that employers are not the only job creators um, in our economy. Like, uh, you know, it's the, the COVID crisis has shown us that working people are at least, at least another engine, if not the engine of the economy, because it's their, uh, you know, their their work that drives production. It's their consumption. We'll see where this okay. goes from here. AFL.org for more. Appreciate making some time for us here today. Okay, thanks, Rob. All right, take care. Gil McGowan, President of the Alberta Federation of Labor. My name is Rob Breckenridge. Back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.